Welcome to A Little Louder Now, a podcast produced by The Bridge Initiative, an FI360 project. My name is Kelly, and I'd like to welcome my colleague for today's podcast, Alicia. Hello. Hello. This month in women's history, we are in July, and today we are talking about Malala. I'm so excited to talk about Malala with you today. I actually didn't know too much about her until we started researching her. Like, I heard around the time of, like, when she uh, received the Nobel Peace Prize, but very briefly, I was in college and... I'll be honest, I probably didn't look at the news at all. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I um, <clears throat> I remember watching the news whenever um, she was initially attacked, mm-hmm. and um, she really fell off the radar for me, but in those, in the prior to that and after that, she was really making big strides for mm-hmm. education, and I just wasn't aware of it. So I'm really glad that we are talking about Malala today, because I learned a lot. I did too. So just a little bit more about why we chose um, July to speak about her. So um, Secretary General Ban Ki-moon pronounced that July 12th um, is Malala Day in honor of the young leader's activism to ensure education for children for all. He had announced this at the um, Nobel Peace Prize uh, when they got together in New York City in 2014. And a quote that really stuck out that he had said was that um, no child should have to die for going to school. Nowhere should teachers fear to teach or children fear to learn. Together, we can change the picture. Right. And so I think it's really interesting to talk about Malala because she was actually born in Mingora, Pakistan on July 12th, 1997. Um, I think that's why they named it Malala Day. It's her birthday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was welcomed as a baby girl into her family, and that's not always a reason for celebration in Pakistan, but her father was determined to give her every opportunity a boy would have. That's amazing so, on her father's behalf to be so progressive. Right. And he's an activist in his own right, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so he essentially built and ran the school that she attended. Mm-hmm. In 2008, while he was running the school, um, everything changed when the Taliban took control of their town, and they banned many things one of which was uh, girls could no longer go to school. So they banned female education. In January 2008, when she was 11 years old, she said goodbye to her classmates, not knowing if she would ever see them again because she wasn't allowed to go to school anymore. Um, but so much to process at such a young age. like Right. And it's hard to explain to a kid, why can't you go to school anymore? Because mm-hmm. it, it, it it's become such a routine by the time you're 11. Like you're about a little... You're more than halfway through your schooling mm-hmm. like um, process, and so just to be like, you may never go back is like, I don't, I don't even know what I would do, like, or how I would process that. Like, granted, I, we all, as kids, we all hate school, but in the end, like, we realize how much we need it right. and to grow and learn socially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so at that point, she started writing a blog under a false name about what was happening in the Swat Valley and, mm-hmm. you know, her, she was pushing for education for girls and pushing for, um, education movement on, on, on the education of girls, but mm-hmm. also to make sure that there was education available for everyone. And that made her a target. She was speaking out publicly and I guess the Taliban put two and two together, realized she was the blogger because she was speaking out publicly about it. Mm-hmm. She was allowed to go back to school in 2012, but on her way home from school, a masked gunman um, boarded her bus and asked, who is Malala? And um, she was on the bus with her friends. And she put her hands over her face. And he shot her at point-blank range. He fired three shots at her. One of the bullets entered and exited her head and lodged in her shoulder. 
Um, this was a serious wound, but it did not instantly kill her because the bone in her, it went under her skin and the bone in her temple was so thick that it sort of diverted the bullet away from her brain. Mm-hmm. And so while it destroyed her eardrum and severed her nerves and, and like broke her jaw and like went down into her shoulder, it it didn't actually kill her immediately. Mm-hmm. She was in very critical condition, but she wasn't immediately dead. That's like um, a one in a million shot. Right. Like, I don't think that could probably ever be recreated. She survived because of, I mean, if you believe in miracles, this is a miracle. Because of the way the bullet trajectory was changed by the bone in her brain, around her, her brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, she happened, there happened to be a doctor in Pakistan that worked in pediatric trauma for an unrelated reason. So... After she was shot, she was taken to a Pakistani military hospital in Peshawar, and they paged Dr. Fiona Reynolds, who is a top specialist in pediatric trauma, from, who's from Birmingham, UK. She was in a meeting, and she was told, get out of this meeting, you have to save this kid's life. She's famous, and she's dying. She immediately left the meeting um, with medics, consulting about setting up a, I think it was like an organ donation program. Mm-hmm to stabilize Malala's condition. And then the emir of the United Arab Emirates found out that they wanted to transport Malala to Birmingham, but they didn't really have a way to do it and keep her alive. So he sent one of his royal planes, which is outfitted as a state-of-the-art intensive care unit, as a courtesy to fly Malala to England while Dr. Reynolds kept her alive through the flight. So think think about those two things, the trajectory of the bullet and also... The fact that Dr. Reynolds was there and that the emir was kind enough to gift his plane. Without any one of those things, mm-hmm. she would have died immediately. Yeah. So um, she gets to the UK. She's taken out of a medically induced coma. And she has to get multiple surgeries, including repair of her facial nerve. She had Her face was paralyzed on the left side because of the nerve. Um, but she suffered no major brain damage, which is also amazing. That's just incredible. Mm-hmm. In March 2013, after weeks of treatment and therapy, she was able to begin attending school in Birmingham, UK. So after the shooting, her incredible recovery and return to school resulted in a global outpouring of support for her. So on July 12, 2013, her 16th birthday, she came to New York and spoke at the United Nations. Later that year, she published her first book, which is an autobiography called I Am Malala, The Girl Who Stood Up for Education and Was Shot by the Taliban. So, um, on October 10th of 2013, in acknowledgement of her work, the European Parliament, excuse me, Parliament, <laughs> awarded Malala the prestigious Sakharov Prize for Freedom of Thought. And I think that freedom of thought is also what kind of then led, um, down the line to the work that her and her father did. So, um... Once she had joined her family in their new home in the UK, and after she had um, a lot of major surgeries in the rehab, she knew she had a choice. She could live a quiet life, or she could make the most of her new life um, that she'd been given, and she decided to continue her fight so every girl had the right to go to school. That's when her and her father, in 2014, founded the um, Malala Fund, which is a charity dedicated to giving every girl an opportunity to achieve a future that she chooses. Tell me about how amazing that is, because think about it. If I were 15 and shot in the face and I somehow miraculously survived, to take that 
pain and turn it into activism and becoming even more I mean she knew she was a she knew she was a target before yeah. she was even shot and so to take something like that something so gruesome to happen to you and turn it into a will to fight even more says a lot about her character it does and her it was not unnoticed because um, that's when in 2014 she received the Nobel Peace Prize um, and her prize motivation um, so that's kind of like the reason as to why she won it was um, for their struggle against the suppression of children and young people and for the right for of all children to get an education. And what's also um, crazy is that she became the youngest ever Nobel laureate being yeah. 16 years old, um, which is incredible. And she's a female, which makes it even better. I have a, if I may interject here, mm-hmm. I have a couple quotes from her, her speech mm-hmm. that struck me, man. Like, let's hear them. When I was 16, I could not even fathom being this Mm well-spoken and being this active. So these really resonated with me. So the first one is, let us remember, one book, one pen, one child, and one teacher can change the entire world. With guns, you can kill terrorists. But with education, you kill terrorism. Mm -hmm. Which I... I Wow. (laughs) You know? Wow. (laughs) Um, the one that I really uh, identified with was why is it that countries which we call strong are so powerful in creating wars but are so weak in bringing peace why is it that giving guns is so easy but giving books is so hard why is it why is it that making tanks is so easy but building schools is so hard it's very moving to me Mm -hmm. because it's it's, when you were reading it um, it kind of just reminded me some about some of the like the beginning stages of like world war ii like they took away like the jewish community's books and access to things like that and it's just mm-hmm. kind of like that happened so many years before but there are parallel um right i mean and i think it's it's important to have an educated society for a lot of reasons and so when a government or a social system starts to take education away from people that should be red flags for you and think Mm -hmm. what don't they want me to know why don't they want me to make my own decisions so i I, propaganda is crazy like Mm -hmm. i actually was studying about it in one of my classes and it's just like going back and like learning the history of it it's that it can be so ingrained you don't even realize it's propaganda which is what i think occurs a lot of the time um Sorry. One of us has a squeaky chair. <laughs> Worst timing. Um, but in any event, so yeah. squeaky chair aside, I think that you're right. I mean, you can you can have a belief system that is based in propaganda and mm. not even realize it. it. And so I think it was really interesting that through mm. the activism and thought process of her, her father encouraging her to have that sort of activism and thought process, um, I think it's really impressive that she took all that and made what would have killed most people into something that is changing the world, you know? And the last quote is, it does not matter what's the color of your skin, what language you speak, what religion you believe in. It is that we should all consider each other as human beings and we should respect each other. We should all fight for our rights, for the rights of children, for the rights of women, and for the rights of every human being. I love that can be just applied to all of society. Mm-hmm. Like, not just education, but it can be applied to just everyone's basic rights. Right. And I... She's 16 at this point. I could not have thought of... No! Anything that well no. said, well... 
I couldn't even curl my hair at 16. Like, I could not figure it out. So I'm, I'm not much better now, let's be real. But <laughs> I, um, I'm just very impressed. She seems to have a spark and a drive mm-hmm. from, from inside of her that gives her the strength and the power and the will to keep moving forward. And I'm very impressed by that. Mm-hmm. Her, um, I guess her drive and everything has, like, led her to start the charity with her father and... Um, she was able, once it was founded, she traveled to Jordan to meet Syrian refugees, to Kenya to meet young female students, and to Nigeria. Um, and that all occurred before her 17th birthday. And when she was in Nigeria, she actually spoke out um, in support of abducted girls who were kidnapped earlier that year um, by another terrorist group um, and who tries to stop girls from getting their education. Right. The whole um, mission of the Malala Fund is to champion every girl's rights to 12 years of free, safe, and quality education. Um, so their board is made up of a lot of a leadership council and staff and champions like Malala in order to get this done. Um, a lot of their work is done through like investing in local education activists, advocating to hold leaders accountable, and then just amplifying um, girls' voices. And one of the big things I noticed from from when we were talking about this before is that they advocate to hold leaders accountable because they want to push for resources and policy changes to, you know, resources to be dedicated to and policy changes to reflect that all girls get a secondary education. So it's not, she's not stopping at being able to read and write um, and communicate. She wants everyone to have a secondary education, which I think is wonderful. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just really impressed by her. So do you know where her priority countries are? Like, where, where does the Malala Fund focus their efforts in terms of education? They focus their um, efforts in Afghanistan, Brazil, India, Lebanon, Nigeria, Pakistan, and Turkey. That's an interesting mix. Do you know, I mean, do you happen to know why those countries are, are the ones that they picked? Those are the regions where um, the most girls miss out on secondary education. Oh. So that's why they picked them. Oh, well, I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I guess I never really thought of it like that. So, okay. Um, that's really interesting. Didn't she go to college? Yep. she going to college? Did- she would still be in college now. Okay. Yeah. She um, is studying philosophy, politics, and economics at the University of Oxford. Of course England. she is. And Oxford <laughs> is a beautiful campus if no one has ever been. Um, they have these things called pontoon boats, which are a lot of fun. You can like literally just go through the grounds of the school on them. That's cool. Um, I hear they give a good education, too. That's true. They the do. Yes. Great. I mean, one of <laughs> the top in the world. <laughs> Excellent. So... Um, I think it's very interesting that today the Malala Fund has become an organization that, through education, empowers girls to achieve their potential and become confident and strong leaders in their own countries. So she's funding education projects in six countries and works with international leaders through the Malala Fund. So they have local partnerships to invest in innovative solutions on the ground and advocate for quality secondary education for all girls globally. She's doing this all while she goes to school. I mean, she has help. But yeah. like, but st- it's still incredible. Like, it's very, it's so incredible and so inspiring. You know, I, I was thinking about me at sixteen, or me at fifteen, however old she was, she was mm-hmm. shot. Well, how would I react in that instance? I, I don't think I would have like gone straight into more deeper activism. Mm-hmm. You Not know, I probably many people do, would probably. I probably would have backed off and been like, all right, well, you know, I need to. Take a minute here, but I, I'm just very impressed that that did not deter her. And there was, there was one quote, and I, I'm 
going to butcher it because I don't have it written down word for word, but she, the doctor said something like, she never cries. I've never seen her cry out in pain. I've never seen her seem sad mm-hmm. or seem like she has any like qualms, mm-hmm. any problems. And the somebody asked Malala that. She said, well, when they shot me, they killed all my fear. They killed my doubt. They killed my pain. And all that's left is strength. And I was like, you're 16. <laughs> it's, a, she, it's just incredible. She's gone through something that probably m- most, pe- that most people would never go through. And no, I, she's definitely has made something off an awful tragic accident. And she's turned it into a great fun. Like, like how we said, it's now helping girls across six different areas to get an education, which is something that like, we're very lucky to be in the United States to get access to schooling so easily. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we take that for granted being in a country where it's the norm for everyone to go to school. Right. And I mean, I think the Taliban intended to silence her and it did the opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, they intended to to shut her down and it it didn't happen. It actually gave her a wider platform. And I remember reading that there were more calls for education for girls after she was shot than before so it really like Mm -hmm. lit a fire she sparked a fuse with her activism that is just so impressive and i'm just really impressed with her in general so um and i don't think that's a fire that's going to be put out no no i mean they killed all of her doubt yeah (laughs) she's 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 gone strong yeah like she's just got muscle left man she's not it's gonna be like the olympics she'll have the internal flame for education that's i mean but we need that we Mm -hmm. need people that don't tire and don't I mean, I, I'm just really impressed with her. I, I don't know how else to say it than that. I've said that like 17 times, and I'm sorry. But <laughs> she's she's an impressive human being. So um, thank you for inviting me to talk to you about Malala. I really enjoyed researching her, and I was just really struck by how impressive, number 18, she is. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for spending your time with us. Again, this is a little louder now by the Bridge Initiative. Thank you, Alicia, for this great conversation. You're welcome. And thanks for taking some time with me today to talk about the amazing Malala. Stay tuned for more podcasts featuring great and trailblazing women. If you have questions, topics, ideas, or if you'd like to join the Bridge Initiative community, email us at bridge at fi360.com. You can also support the podcast without spending a dime by leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Until next time, we want you all to get a little louder now.